This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by Assistant Professor of Sport Management at Madonna University, Dr. Nicholas Zaroya. Before becoming a Professor of Sport Management, Dr. Zaroya took his years of coaching experience to create a popular lacrosse podcast, Going Offsides. Dr. Zaroya learned the ins and outs of podcasting, including production, content creation, in social media, and was able to apply these lessons into his current role as a professor. In this episode, Dr. Zaroya will explain the process for starting your own podcast and provide advice for students wanting to break into sports. I hope you enjoy. All right, joining us from Madonna University today is Dr. Nick Zaroya. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, well, it's our pleasure, and I'm excited to have you on the show as we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Things like digital creation and, and podcasting and broadcasting, while these are things we're trying to build here at Trine, um, they're things that we might not necessarily be experts in. So it was important because these are things that students are starting to ask for. How do I create a podcast or how do I do some digital content that's creative? And you've got a background in some of this stuff. So I know you've been at Madonna a little over a year teaching sport management, but before that, tell us about your background and, and what you did. And if you want to tell us a little bit about your day-to-day now, you can do that as well. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, I, I kind of, having looked at your profile, I don't think ours are very different in a lot of ways. You know, I started off as an undergrad interning in a high school athletic department. You know, I, I played one year of Division three sports at, at Oberlin College, and they didn't have the major I wanted once I figured that out. So I transferred to the University of Michigan, and I found myself with a lot of free time. And I said, all right. So I emailed, you know, guys like Mike Duffy at, at Adrian College, Tim Selgo at Grand Valley, um, all of these, you know, in the Midwest kind of big, big names in athletic administration. And I just said, what? what would you suggest I do? I'm a sophomore in college. I hope it's not too late. I want to be an AD. And they just said, in, you know, get an internship. And luckily I had a really, you know, Ann Arbor Pioneer is this 4,000 or was like this three to 4,000 student high school in my backyard at, at U of M. So I'm working at the fitness center at U of M, interning at the high school. And the AD at the high school was also the AD at the brand new high school in town for one year just to help get it started. And she said, you played college sports. Do you want to coach the lacrosse team? And I said, no, I'm way too busy. And then I saw the schedule was mostly after college, you know, the semester would end because being high school. And I said, I hope it's not too late. I, I kind of do want to do it, especially because I was working the budgets and I saw that the head coach was going to get like $4,000. And I was like, you know what, that would be great as a college student. So I did that for three years. And as I graduated, I went back to my hometown, uh, which is only a half hour from Ann Arbor. And I took over my high school program, did that for a year. And I said, you know what, this coaching thing could, could be something. And then through networking connections, I reached out to a friend that was a division one coach. And he said, you know, we don't have a director of operations if you're willing to do that. And I said, anything to get my foot in the door. So I think my first year of 
college athletics. I was like 2,500 bucks and I basically got camp money. But before I'd even stepped foot on campus to work, I saw a job posting at Detroit Mercy, which is where I was coaching and they needed a fitness center coordinator. I'm like, well, that fits my background. I have an undergrad in Kines, like let's try it. And, and, you know, I was able to make 18 to 20 bucks an hour during the week and they were flexible with my lacrosse schedule. So it kind of pieced it together. I got really lucky. Well, the one thing that I wasn't was patient. I, I really wanted to make things happen in my career. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to keep moving. So I took a GA job in Ohio at Defiance College for a semester. Head coach ends up leaving. Good friend of mine is actually your head coach now at Trine. Okay. Uh, and uh, so Ryan Kuhn. And, uh, you know, he ended up being in my wedding, but he, he went to start a division two school and they didn't want to give me the interim job, even though I was a little bit older than most of the GAs. And I said, all right, that's fine. I'll go back home. And I ended up becoming the film coordinator for the University of Michigan lacrosse team. And so right back in it, you know, just kind of seamlessly. And uh, it was at that point, I was like 24, 25. I had good experience, but I wasn't getting, you know, the, the head coaching you know, interviews that I wanted. And I decided, you know, all my friends have houses or are getting houses. Like, let's go get a real job with benefits and a salary and all that fun stuff. Let's stop working camps. And, and so I became a high school AD and a teacher for a year. And I got, got my condo and I realized just how unhappy I was pretty quickly being stuck in that box for, you know, eight to nine hours a day. And then being a high school AD is probably one of the hardest jobs in sports because you Mm -hmm. do everything and you have the same schedule as a teacher plus late nights uh so you know that wasn't really great and luckily you know all of that time working in ann arbor a a coaching job came up in the naia school called concordia university ann arbor and so i reached out it was a good fit and i did that for three years and and I started my doctoral program during that time because I was really motivated to eventually teach and be, you know, a college athletic director possibly. And so I started adjuncting in the exercise science department that gave me a taste for it even while I was teaching. And luckily, um, probably the best worst thing that ever happened is I got, I got burnt out after three years of starting a program. Um, you know, I'll be very happy that the last game I ever coached, we, we knocked off a top 10 team, kind of rode off into the sunset that summer. And I just took a year off, or that was the plan. I took a year off to just do my dissertation. And I'm lucky that I was in a place to do that, but I got bored quickly because, you know, as you, you'll find out very soon, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of downtime when you're working mm-hmm. on your dissertation. So I ended up working for the Special Olympics Michigan for three or four months, um, running tournaments and stuff like that. And then finally, it all kind of came together, like, again, wasn't happy not working. So I was volunteering a bunch of different places, volunteering with a couple of charities, again, just keeping the network growing. And I started working for an online company that was doing basically a really fancy blog. And... I started a podcast during COVID when COVID hit and that kind of did well enough where the company I worked for was like, Hey, we want that podcast on our network. And so they gave me equity in the company. And then we were bought out by a tech company uh, last a little over a year ago, like right before I started here at Madonna, it was like either go work for the tech company 
for work at Madonna and I said, I'll take the sure thing. And I still mm -hmm. moonlight for the tech company, but uh, I'm much happier with where I'm at. And that's kind of where we're at today. Like all those skills that I picked up from doing all the random stuff that I had been doing for years kind of just culminated in this ability to, if a student asks me, how do I do this or how do I do that? I mean, with the exception of maybe being an agent, uh, I've done coaching, athletic directing, fitness center. I've been, a, you know, high school as a lifeguard and a, an official, you know, whatever it is, just kind of lucked out and have a, have a broad range of experiences. And now it kind of benefits the students. You know, I'm not just, just a former coach or just a former player. Or, you know, I'm not a purely academic person like some people can be sometimes. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's very beneficial when we do our networking and we do our internship placement. Like I know the right places for certain people, but I think the one thing that we maintain here is that I'm brutally honest, especially with the freshmen. Like if you don't, I tell this to them, if you don't want to work in ticket sales in four years from now, like you need to get to work. You need to have an internship every semester. Well, I mean, you just talked about it if people are listening through your career to where you are now, you know, and I'm, I'm especially going to go back to where you were talking about, you know, finally getting a real job because I would like a real place to live and, yeah. and have some stability. And we do have similar backgrounds in that way where, you know, I've kind of along the same lines, any opportunity I had, I took, you know, during mm -hmm. undergrad, I remember the most boring thing I think I've ever done in my life was timing the 1999 Big Ten Swimming and Diving Championships, the mile, you know, with a handheld stopwatch. But through that, I was able to make some connections and then work at the Final Four and be a golf operations coordinator for, for a big charity tournament. So working in sport, and, you know, this is nothing against, I guess we are under this umbrella, but nothing against academics who, who do research and that's what they like. In, in sport, there, there's a need for that and we need them. But most of the students that we encounter, they actually want to work in it. And, yeah, you know, you- Well, you, you don't go to a small liberal arts college to be an academic in that's sports. That's exactly what, exactly yeah, you right. you go for career preparation. And so I hope as students are listening to this or anybody listening to this who want to get in, involved in sport, I know you probably hammer this in, in your classes, no doubt, and, and I do as well. You've got to get that experience and you've got to network. And I, I, I like sales. I think sales is an amazing place to, mm -hmm. to have a career and go from there. But to your point, and I just got done talking with students about this, it's the easiest way to get in. But if you're not wired and that's not what you want to do, and you know you want to be in operations or you don't want to be on a phone all day, then you're right. I mean, you cannot waste time because it's mm -hmm. so doggone competitive to get a job. Um, I would assume you're probably seeing the same thing with, with your students up in Madonna as well. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And a lot of them don't even know that that's the way it is. You know, a lot of them come in just starry eyed and they think, oh, this is great. And I think one of the best things any sport management program can do is an intro to sport management, which is usually a freshman year class, yep. really hammer in like, yes, these are all the subjects that we talked about in sports management. And as you know, like you kind of gloss over everything that's going to later be a class, right? Like you have one, one week is on marketing and that's going to be an entire class later on. But to attach everything that we do to the career prep thing is the only way small liberal arts colleges will survive. Because even if you do go to U of M for sport management, you know, 
sure you could go be an academic after that. And they've got some great researchers on their staff, Mm -hmm. but those are still people competing against our students for the regular in the field job. So you really do have to set yourself apart. And yeah, like you said, ticket sales is great. I have no problem with it at all, but, and it is the easiest way to get in because it's just, there's a high turnover. There's a lot of job opportunity. And if you can stick with it and if you're wired for it, you, you can do great. I mean, we have a program right now where the lines come in and they basically give us their training for a couple classes. And then we do a sales competition and it's just, we do it in sports management 1100, which is interest for management, because if we get them on the hook early and they practice that for four years, I mean, they are going to have a job guaranteed when they leave this place. Now, yeah. For those people that want to go into coaching, you know, we, we've developed certificates in the last year here that allow any sport management major to be very specific with what they might want to do. So we do have a pre-law certificate if you do think that being an agent is something you might want to do. We do have uh, entrepreneurship. If you think you want to start a business, you know, either camps, clinics, travel teams, the gym, whatever it might be. Uh, we do even have esports gaming and administration coming on board right now, which again, if that's whatever field you might want to go into, we, we want to have a certificate attached to it so that you can indicate to employers that I'm not just a general sport management major because that's lost some of its value over the last couple of years because it's mm-hmm. so broad that people mm-hmm. don't even know what to do with it. And then, you know, I, I love telling kids that you're ultimately your degree is going to get you is not going to get you your job. Yep. Your internships will get you your job. Your degree should help you do that job and so and help you keep that job. So, um, you know, we require two internships, but I tell students all the time, you need to be doing more than that or do year-long internships, whatever it might be. Um, and if you're not sure yet, just reach out to people and, and start that process of figuring out what it is what you might want to do. I mean, one of our classes, media relations, you have to interview someone that isn't a family friend or teammate. And so uh, when we do that, I mean, I give an award forever as the best one. And so we had randomly, and again, we're just a small, small Catholic school in, in Southeastern Michigan, but somebody had cold called the MSU athletic department and talked to a senior athletic director. (laughs) Um, We had two Olympians interviewed and we got a really wide gambit of of people. I mean, we even had the head of the MHSAA, which is our state association for high school sports get interviewed because he happened to be the neighbor of one of our students. So that type of networking, just getting out of your comfort zone, talking to strangers is, is huge. I mean, I still go to networking events filled with students and I just give my business cards to all the people that work there and I say I'm not here to take their time I just want you to know like we're interested in working with you and somebody from Madonna was here Uh, even if my students aren't there I'll I'll be there handing out cards to potential employers to call me and so I mean that's paid dividends but you know really it's all about career prep it's all about internships and school is just one little piece you know we do a lot of project-based learning so you know in media relations we basically treat them like every single kid is an SID and we bring in our our SID to teach a couple classes but also like they're doing projects they're doing they're writing articles game write-ups game previews you know the whole anything you might do as we our our final in that class is just a uh, it's a giant press conference 
I mean, that, that's our final. So we try to make it so that you have the skills so that when you do go to internships, you can speak about things you've done, not things you've learned on paper. You know, this is great. I feel like I'm kind of interviewing myself because I went to a Big Ten school as well when studied sports marketing management. And now, you know, as a professor at a small school, a lot of the, I mean, just about everything we talk about, you know, we're doing here at the small school. And that's why I kind of like that small school experience. I had an, I had an amazing experience at, at IU. It was great, um, but it was really on me to make, to make it what it was. You know, it's tough when you've got a few hundred sport management majors to professors to kind of give you that personalized attention or just to have that opportunity to, to work with the Lions. You know, we work with the Mad Ants here at Trine. So, you know, I, I like having those opportunities. And one of the things that we're trying to do here, and, and I think a lot of people maybe, or, or other programs, maybe not a lot, but other programs are starting, is really starting to kind of beef up um, our, our broadcasting network here. Because you've got a lot of students who want to get involved. You know, we do a lot on the sport management side, operations, sales, management, game day, operate, all that stuff. But the broadcasting side and the digital content is becoming huge. And you talked about that. You actually did that. You had your own podcast and you were working with the technology uh, company um, who, who ended up buying, buying you out. But, you know, you're still doing a little bit with them. So, you know, to those students where it might be a blind spot for some schools who want to get involved in podcasting or broadcasting, you know, talk a little bit about that, what you've done before in the past. And, you know, if their school doesn't have it, how could they just start their own and get involved? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it all comes down to this, right? If, if you're going to apply for a job, it's more about like, don't just tell me, show me. And it's like, what have you done? Like what physical artifact do you have to show me that you can do what we're asking you to do? And so if you want to work for a company in broadcasting or podcasting or anything like that, you better have a podcast or you better be a guest on a bunch of podcasts or whatever it might be. I mean, basically the podcast that we started was because we were sitting there in COVID and we're like, you know, Ryan Kuhn and I are two very close friends who are like, we don't sit around and wait for things to happen. And we had talked about, and the hardest decision was just starting. And so one day I was like, Hey, we're going to do the first one today. I bought the microphones. I sent them to his house because we, we talked every single day on his commute home from Angola. And I was like, well, why don't we just take these conversations and record them and then occasionally throw in a guest? And, you know, ours was focused on lacrosse, which is a niche sport. And the beautiful thing about that, and it worked out perfectly for us, is that the athletes are very accessible. Within three episodes, I had a professional on our podcast. Within 10 episodes, we had Hall of Famers on our podcast that we, you know, we both put out a graphic that was like, here's the top 10 people we would love, like legends that we would love to have on the podcast. Four or five of them responded in the comments, like anytime, just let me know. And by the 25th episode, we had had pretty much every single person that we'd ever dreamed of talking to um, on on our podcast. And then we started to realize, you know, you could make a little bit of money with it if you're smart. And, you know, the whole point was we didn't start it to make money. Uh, We were fine if we just did, you know, half hour episodes once a week. And we did, we did one episode a week for a hundred episodes. And it was a grind for sure, even during COVID. 
And then, um, you know, we, we started working with companies too, and they're, you know, in the industry. And so that created, a, you know, networking for us where we would do giveaways. You know, if we have the CEO of this small company on, well, we, you know, we just told them like, hey, it's not required, but we really do like to encourage these companies to bring something to the table that we can give away. And then, you know, it's good for everybody. So we were learning, you know, I taught myself how to use graphic design software. I used Adobe Premiere to edit all the podcasts. And through all that, you know, I learned a lot of skills. Once I worked for the company uh, that I was working for, they kind of taught me a little bit of how to use WordPress. Okay. And so that's the software we used to actually make, you know, I was doing a blog post attached to every single podcast episode. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much free. I mean, if you have an iPhone and AirPods, you can do a podcast on Anchor for free and actually make money on it. And like, that's the key. And, and the big thing to having a good podcast is just consistency and then attaching social media to it. So, you know, Twitter's free, Anchor's free. You probably, probably already have a pair of headphones and, you know, whatever it might be that you need. You know, Zoom, if you keep them like a half hour or Google Meet, if you, you know, anything. I mean, we all have access to stuff now. So anybody can start a podcast and, uh, you know, don't start it to make money. Start it as just a way to like build your brand or build your knowledge and network like crazy. I mean, if I made $0 on it, that's fine because I networked like crazy. And I mean, in the past three years, I've probably written over 200 blog posts. I've recorded over a hundred episodes, but you know, our company gets bought out and they infuse a little bit of money into it. And we have a budget now. And I stopped our podcast completely because A, I'm no longer contractually obligated to do one. B, I have a 15 month year old daughter. So like mm-hmm. I didn't have the, the bandwidth anymore, yeah. but now I just produce all of the podcasts in our, in our company, which is way easier for me. And so now we signed Quint Kesnick to be our main podcaster. And if people don't know who that is, he does a lot of sideline reporting for, for uh, college football. He's the main guy during lacrosse season. He does the national championships and stuff like that. And he works for ESPN for a living. So now I host his podcast. And so just yesterday we had Paul Rabel on the podcast on the day that his documentary gets released on ESPN plus. And it's like, cool. Like this guy runs a professional sports league and this guy is a professional broadcaster. and I didn't know either of them six months ago. I knew who they were, but I would never assume that I'd be working with them hand in hand six months later. So podcasting opened that door for me. It taught me a lot of skills. And those are skills now that we teach, you know, media relations is the class where I obviously thrive in in giving that to the students because I can Mm -hmm. say, all right, start a podcast as a project for this week or, you know, I don't have them actually do a WordPress article, but I'm like, hey, here's all the things you need to do to do a WordPress article. Here's how long your title needs to be. Here's, you know, you need to have a keyword and here's how to find that keyword. So now when a student does eventually want to go work for a blog or whatever, they have all the school, the skills that they need. And actually we have had a couple interns work for the company writing articles. And, you know, we're big here on, I don't really push unpaid internships anymore mm-hmm. and i know that's just kind of been like a recent thing in the last couple of years that we can get away with that like we don't have to beg people to take us anymore we just people are looking for our help more than we're looking for theirs 
And so we're able to provide these paid internships and allow them to see their name published and kind of build that portfolio. And so for anybody that's considering doing it, I would just say start. Start with start start your podcast, figure out what you're going to do with it, what the topics are going to be, find your favorite ones, kind of mimic them to some extent, but figure out what makes you different. And it's okay if nobody listens for a while. The fact is you did it. And then if you want to be a, a journalist or a blogger or you know, a YouTube personality, just just start because there are a lot of small to medium-sized blogs out there with some funding that are just hungry for content. I mean, I, I reached out to the Premier Lacrosse League to write articles for them this summer, and they're like, hey, we're all full with writers. But a week later, I got an email from a company called PixWise, which is like one of the leading sports betting websites in the world. They have over a million visitors a month. And they were like, hey, we got your name from the PLL. They said that you'd be good at this. Do you want to write betting articles? And I was like, I'll give it a spin. Why not? Like, it's not my forte, but why not? So, and, and those are all paid opportunities. But again, just abilities to grow your brand, work for different you know, companies and build a career out of it, it. It all helps. So it's really kind of a matter of putting yourself out there is what it sounds like. Um, and maybe kind of finding your niche a little bit in sport. Um, again, it's just, it's, it's uncanny, kind of a, a lot of the similarities that we have, but I started a podcast this summer. So um, I'm running the, the London Marathon in October and I'm, I'm fundraising. Uh, I'm a charity mm-hmm. runner for an organization. And so like, I'm thinking, okay, well, what am I good at? And I, I can talk. I don't know if I'm good, but I, I can talk. And thought, okay, well, I'll start an endurance sport podcast with the view from a back of the pack runner because I'm kind of a, a little bit of a slower runner because I'm built like a small forward and not necessarily um, a, an Olympic champion. Um, but I did the same thing you were talking about. Just, you know, went through Anchor and it's free. I've got some mm-hmm. equipment I just use, GarageBand on my Mac, and it's been mm-hmm. free. Um, producing it seems to take a little bit of time, but all this stuff is free. And attaching social media, I use Instagram with that, has opened up some doors for me that I was like, this is crazy. I, I can't believe mm-hmm. I got companies reaching out to me and like, hey, would you, um, you know, sell or promote some of our stuff and, and we'll make a donation for your charity. Um, but part of what, what you did is also attached a blog with that. And it's something that I've thought about as well. How important, in your opinion, with sport management students is it for them to have the ability to write? Because, you know, when we talk with um, companies, and I know you do too, you know, that we ask, hey, you know, wh- what is it you need from our students? And they've got to communicate. You've got to be able to talk yeah. and you got to be able to write. And I'm not saying every student needs to go out and start a, a, a podcast, but boy, you talk about a chance to refine your skills with, even if you fail, it's not that big of a deal. This might be it. Yeah, I mean, we've toyed around with, I've talked to my company about making another website that's just a carbon copy of our lacrosse website and having it be for all sports and having it be completely run by students where they, they're the ones coming up with the graphics, with the articles, just as a way to get their stuff out there, but also, you know, create a little bit more traffic for, for the company. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a lot of work, A, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of other stuff in the background keeping that from happening for now, but I think there's merit to, to something like that. You know, even if, you know, basically a student run newspaper, but as a blog, 
I mean, it could be easily a part of a club or anything like that, but you know, it, it's a great way to, you know, when, when you have a resume or a CV and you put the link to your author page and it's got all of the articles you've written there with the graphics, it, it hits differently than saying, I wrote 10 articles for this blog or I, whatever it might be. So it's very important. And even just sending people like, here's artifacts for my portfolio. Like, here's what I can do. I mean, we were working with, and it's, just, it's all networking, right? I, I knew that a kid from my high school that I graduated with was doing media relations for the Red Wings. And so I hit him up out of the blue and I was like, hey, it's been 15 years, but I don't know if you remember me, but I would love for you to talk to my class. And he's like, absolutely. Talk to the class, had two kids come down in shadow and meet Steve Eiserman and all, you know, all these great people and put them in the press box for a night and just let them experience it and let them get the hook. And one of them, you know, he, he's like, you know, it's one thing to have kids that can write. And it's another thing to have kids that can write about hockey. Mm. And I don't need the world's best writers. I can like, I can help with that as long as they're decent, but I need people to understand the sport. So it's like this mix. Like it, you do have a skill set. If you know a lot about a sport and you can write, it, it's a very valuable skill set because they would hire those people as interns tomorrow because they don't have the bandwidth to do it all with full-time employees. And then the other student took that opportunity and was like, oh, okay. And now they have a broadcast internship for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL this year. And it's like, you know, he's only a sophomore and he's got probably the best internship we have in, in the entire school. But he's also the same kid that after my media relations class and, or actually after intro sport management, I show everybody, you know, indeed teamwork. We, we have an entire week, which is just career prep. I have, I've uh, recorded videos with five different people in industry, 80s, whatever it might be, where they just explain what they do, how they got there and what their advice is. And they have to watch that and write a paper about it. And then they have to kind of start to develop what they want to do. And so he's like, you know, I got this summer internship. I'm moving to North Dakota and I'm doing social media for like this minor league baseball league. And first of all, amazing name because the name of the city is Sasquatch. So there was Sasquatch <laughs> Spearfish. And he ran their social media all summer long as a fresh, like as a freshman in college. And that led to his Flint Firebirds thing as a sophomore. And so, you know, and even he is not guaranteed to get a job after all this with all that impressive stuff. <laughs> but he is so far ahead of every single other student we have here because he just put himself out there was willing to give up a summer, you know, with friends on the lake and go out to North Dakota or South Dakota, whichever one it was. And, you know, he, he made that happen for himself, but he also listened to the advice. You know, I put the schedule up of like, Hey, freshman year, sophomore year, junior, senior, here's what you should be kind of doing on top of what you're supposed to be doing. Here's what you need to be doing. And he took that to heart and he randomly applied a bunch of stuff on teamwork and he got one. And, uh, you know, it, it's got, it, it will change his life. I don't know if it has yet, but like it will moving forward. It has changed the trajectory of his career. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to shift gears just, just a little bit, but you know, mm -hmm. as, as we look through your CV here and we're looking at your education, so you got your undergrad in kinesiology and then a master's in education and, you know, you got your doctorate in, um, in sport leadership, you know, none of that that I see there was journalism broadcasting, sports communication, anything like that. 
Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we've talked about the podcast and um, you're still doing play-by-play -play for the University of Michigan for the lacrosse team. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, again, I want students to hear this because we talk about it all the time in, in our classes and you get one or two who will kind of take the bait and they're going to go for it, just like the student you just talked about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how did you, with like no educational background, as I put in air quotes that nobody's going to see on a podcast, how, how did you take a background in none of that educationally, but yet now you were able to take your experience and your expertise and parlay that into, you know, your podcast now actually broadcasting, which I know a ton of students would love to get into, but they might think, well, I don't have a certificate or a degree in it. Right. I'll never be a broadcaster. Yeah. So it, it all goes back to, right. Like I, I, I had the skills. I didn't have the, the perfect education for it. I didn't go to broadcasting school or anything like that. So, uh, I'll answer that in two ways. I'll, I'll answer how to get into broadcasting at the end, but you know, everything I did, all the random experiences that we both have had have taught us little things here and there. And yep. so that time when I was a coach and a film coordinator, uh, when I started working for this blog, they only had me take clips of college lacrosse plays and break them down as like a, here's what I see. Here's what you need to be looking at. And here's what happened on the field. And so, you know, now that I look back on it, like that's an easy way to say like, oh, that's basically broadcasting just without all the stress because I can rewind and repeat as many times as I need and, yeah. and break it down. But then the podcasting, that's what got me comfortable in front of a mic. And when you edit your own podcast, as you're well aware, you no longer care how you sound because I used to hate the sound of my own voice. I edited five podcasts and I was like, I don't have the ability to care anymore because it is what it is. If I'm going to do this, <laughs> I'm just going to do it. And I've been lucky enough to have been told that I don't have an annoying voice and that my voice is decent enough that people will listen to it. So like, that's all, that's, that's the only bar you need, right? Like <laughs> some people have that, that earth shattering voice that is like perfect. And those people are on ESPN and ABC, but then the rest of us, we just need to not be terrible. And so that gets through the door and, you know, it was kind of random, you know, me being me and having the network and the career experiences I've had, having, you know, coached, worked at division one schools and stuff like that. I was able to call the SID at Michigan, who was my roommate when I was the film coordinator uh, on road trips. He's still there. And now he's like the associate director of whatever of communications. And I was like, Hey, who's doing your play by play. I, I know the big 10 games are all spoken for, but I know like the big 10 plus games. And I know you guys don't have color commentary. I also reached out to the Detroit mercy SID. Who's the same SID as when I worked there. And I said, Hey, what's the deal? I know you guys are on ESPN plus. And unfortunately both said no at first, cause it was during COVID. Okay. And so there was no color commentary for these, you know, little you know pluses basically <laughs> on the main broadcast maybe but they weren't looking to have more than one person in the I didn't give up the second year and, I, and again this is more of a hobby for me so I, I didn't need to do it right away so second year I'm like you know what let's try it again I reached out to both and Detroit says you can have color commentary on every women's game and Michigan says hey uh we have a guy but the second guy became the GA at Detroit so he's out and so now you're the second guy. 
And I was like, I'll do color commentary for free. And that's how it started. And then the, the main guy had some scheduling conflicts and I was able to take that over. Now being a Michigan alum and not having all the time in the world, I told Detroit, I appreciate it, but I'm just gonna mm -hmm. do all the Michigan stuff and keep it all in one house. Cause you know, I did one Michigan, or I planned to do one Michigan game. And then the SID goes, Hey, I I'm talking to the women's SID. They have no one to do any of their games. And I'm like, this is unreal because as much as I love men's lacrosse, Michigan is a borderline top 20 team. And the women's team is a top 10 team. Yeah. And they don't have anyone to broadcast their games. I was like, I'll do all the women's games. Like I, I know enough. I've coached women's lacrosse. I will figure out the verbiage differences. I'll talk to some people and I will take care of it. And so now I, now I'm the main person for all the women's games on BTN plus. And then I'm the, you know, I do all the BTN plus games for, uh, for the men's team, either as play-by-play -play or color commentary, but it's, it's cause I had the knowledge the podcasting background helped because I was comfortable in front of a microphone. I could do a script. I could, I could keep a conversation moving, which, you know, I actually did my first ever game with, uh, actually, yeah, with Ryan Kuhn, actually, we brought him up. He had okay. an off weekend. We had him come up when we did the Cleveland State game together. And it was just like we were podcasting again, except for I had to describe a few extra things that were on the screen that people, you know, now, luckily they can see it, so I don't have to do everything, but I just had to add that. But then in between, it's just conversation. So it's not as complicated as I thought. At the same time, I'd offered here at Madonna to do some things, but the schedule got crazy, but they were willing to let me do pretty much anything and everything. Um, they had me do a football game and the play-by-play -play guy had COVID. So I ended up doing my first ever broadcast by myself doing football, which was super intense but I used that experience to help me with the lacrosse stuff. So it was, I mean, even today I get emails like, Hey, do you have anybody that's interested in broadcasting? Because we need people for the home games. And so that's just, that's how you get your start. We have a alum that graduated before I started here who does like the USPBL. He does, which is like the, you know, or United shore baseball league, whatever it is. It's, it's all the stuff at Jimmy John's field. He does all their home games. He does stuff for them at just say, he does Michigan state volleyball for the radio. Like he's basically putting it all together, but he's a full-time broadcaster now mm -hmm. um, just because he put himself out there and practiced his trade and, and stuff like that. You know, for me, the end game is you know, lacrosse might be in the Olympics. So I'm happy to do like the 8 a.m. Hungary Turkey game uh, on ESPN three or whatever it might be at that time or NBC you know, on, on Peacock. But uh you know that's kind of my end game in 2028 that would be awesome but if it never happens it never happens like i get to call games from my favorite sport at my alma mater so i'm happy it's a passion project now the fact that i found i was getting paid at the end of the year was just cherry on top yep. but um you know it's it's pretty cool to me when my parents and are babysitting and they've got the baby and they're send me a picture they're watching the game but they're watching it to listen to me do it and it's 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 a really cool experience whether it, even if it just stops right there yeah. and so how to get into broadcasting as you mentioned uh get comfortable be, be knowledgeable put yourself out there and then just start small start with your local college games even if it's just as color commentary um just adding a little bit here and there and then just practice you know you can find a million games online, just mute it, 
do like 10, 10 minute runs and just practice and just record. And you'll learn pretty quickly whether you want to do it or not. And if you enjoy it or not, um, and just go from there and opportunities, you know, I, I was on call to do the Michigan state championships last year, but you know, nobody got sick, but I'd only done like nine games in my career at that point. And yeah. it's like, it can progress pretty quickly once you get in there, but you have to put yourself out there and at least, you know, let people know, you know, my mom's greatest advice is people don't know what you want unless you tell them. Mm-hmm. So if you don't tell people you want to do broadcasting, don't, they, they can't ever assume that that's what you want. They'll never help you do something that they don't know you would want. So let people know what you want, let them help you get to what you need. So this will be my last question, but just kind of a, an extension of your answer there. I thought, I think you've painted a, a, an amazing picture of how to get involved, especially we're talking more about like podcasting, broadcasting, a little bit of um, content creation and, and, you know, just the steps and some of the highs and lows that go along with that. For students, like I think about a senior I have right now who's a sport management student. And again, you know, it's not broadcasting, but he loves broadcasting. He's doing podcasting. Um, for those students there who are in it right now, and it feels like, you know, I've been doing this for a couple of years, not many people listen, I'm getting frustrated, you know, any advice you have to that student who feels like maybe they're not making traction, but at least they're mm-hmm. doing what they, what, what they're passionate about, but maybe they can't see right now what the end game is. Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to mind right away is you know, if you're doing it, have someone maybe like you come in and give an honest assessment of like what, what is done really well and what can be improved on because maybe you're doing it, but you can do it better. And so the first thing I can think of is put yourself out there and try to get the best guests that you've ever gotten. And okay. if you don't do guests, start getting guests because that's the, that's the easiest way to grow. Because even if you aren't popular, they might be. And they might drag you forward. So, you know, if you're running a football one, you know, reach out to, you know, every mid-sized college head coach, reach out to, you know, practice team players that were, you know, college legends. And a lot of these guys are willing to give you a half hour, but you don't know until you ask. And so that's one thing I would say is just go on with the biggest guest you can get. And a lot of times those will parlay themselves because it's way easier. You know, the first one's the hardest, but once you have someone, it's like, Hey, we just had so-and-so on the podcast. Oh, these guys are legitimate. You know, these guys actually do, they have real guests that I, I know who that person is. All right. I'll do it too. So that, that's one way to start. I mean, I have a friend that did a podcast and it was just a motivational podcast. I, I wasn't really sure what it was about. He had me come on and then the next week he had some country music star and the next week he had a NASCAR driver. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing. He goes, I send hundreds of Instagram messages. Wow. And I just, I get lucky that some people are very approachable and they're willing to give me a half hour. And I think he, he burnt himself out with that, but that was his only you know method from day one. So if you're looking to energize and, and create some traction, that's, that's a good way to do it. It's just go out and get the biggest guest you can possibly get. And, and go from there. Um, what what else was the student doing? I mean, podcast was one. Yeah, podcast, and he wants to get into. He wants, I think, be a, a broadcaster going down the line. Okay. So he has been working with um, doing some of our home games here. Okay. At Trine as well. 
So one thing I did, and again, I'm not even doing this professionally. I just put it together a five minute reel mm. and you can't, can't be all goals and touchdowns and whatever, because that's, uh, I put together a five minute reel, which is kind of like the better highlights. And then I did one full uncut quarter. Um, and I sent that off to a couple broadcasters that I didn't know beforehand. And ironically, I sent this some that I did know. And the only one that responded was the one I didn't know. So a guy named Jay Alter, who does a lot of stuff for ESPN, he does ACC basketball. He does, he does a lot of stuff. He was like, Hey, I'll get back to you in like a couple of weeks. And he gave me some really great advice. He's like, clearly, you know, the game clearly like you're good at storytelling, which is like a, something that doesn't come naturally, but I, I attribute it to the podcasting. And he's like, just work on this, this, and this. It's like, okay, now I have feedback from a professional that does this for a living. And so I, I work that into what I do. Second part of that is you, once you have that reel, start sending it out to people that might be hiring to do mm -hmm. events. So in your area, you know, you got the minor league sports teams, uh, you've got the state association, like NFHS doesn't broadcast these games by themselves, the state associations do, and then they just distribute it to the NFHS. So work with them um you know there's there's a lot of opportunities there remote isn't quite possible yet at at this amateur level you know we can't you know they don't have the technology to really zoom people in for for us but uh in the future that could be something as well to do games remote but that that's one thing to do it is go and get yourself to be the backup guy for a certain place. You know, one thing that I don't do, but other people do is they do radio calls too, which is slightly different because you have to describe every detail that's happening because you have to act like people can't see the game, but that's another way to grow your broadcasting and create opportunities, multiple sports, or just find a niche sport and just be really, really good at it. Uh, so that, that, that's some advice I have right there for, for someone that wants to get into broadcasting from someone that's barely in it, but, uh, that's, that's what I see that works. So, and, and Nick, if, if my students or, or anybody listening wanted to find you on social media, um, where can they find you? Yeah. So I, I basically only use Twitter, uh, and LinkedIn, you know, Instagram is more of a, a personal thing as a time waster. So I don't put anything of value on Instagram. So it's just uh, on Twitter. It's at Nicholas Arroyo, Nicholas with an H, just in case anyone gets confused. And on LinkedIn, I, I think it's the same thing, but you can find me pretty easily. I mean, you know where I work, so you, you can find me pretty quickly on LinkedIn. But yeah, if anybody has questions, I mean, even, I mean, Ryan sent me one of your students once that just wanted like a second opinion on, yeah. on and I probably echoed a lot of what you tell them anyway, but uh i'm happy to to help out whoever uh if you want to work in lacrosse specifically i can i can help you a bit more than other things but you know if you live or if you're in southeastern michigan i can, I can help you out with some connections i mean we do have internships sometimes that we just can't fill because you know we're we're, we're like my major is like 85 percent athletes mm -hmm. yep so you know these school year ones are really difficult to fill like we have a great one with the detroit athletic club but it's like I can only fill it so many semesters of the year because we just have too much, you know, conflict with, with schedules. And uh, one thing I'll say is if you are an athlete, don't don't get discouraged. We had Tom Lawan come do a speech. who is the former president of the Lions. And 
we had someone ask that question, like, how do I get ahead when I'm an athlete and I can't intern as much as everybody else? And he said, just use that as a positive and not a negative. Like the skill set you have is different from, from a non-athlete. Yep. And then use these flexible opportunities like working game nights or, or working security or whatever it might be to just get your foot in the door um, around your schedule and really focus the off season on, on getting the experience that you can. And then work, working in-house, like working at Trine is an easy way because it'll really fit around your schedule. You can't drive an hour to an internship, but you can go across, you can stay after practice and, and work a game in the gym. So uh, th that's the advice I would give to athletes. And I know you probably have a lot of student athletes as well as I do. Well, it's all excellent advice. And, and Dr. Roy, we, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to listen to our next episode on September 22nd as we speak with Jake Crane, host of the Sports Talk podcast, Crane & Company. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit us at trine.edu. Also be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube page by searching for Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.